Hello listeners, long time no here. My name is Hugo Sugg, if you don't know me, I am a campaigner, I'm an activist and since November 2017 I have been a member of the Conservative Party. Now Sugg Sound uh, was launched over a year ago and then uh, it took a bit of a break, a lot longer than I wanted it to. But now we're back and uh, this is going to be like a a political debate podcast now. Uh, so a little bit of history. I ran in the 2017 general election as an independent candidate. And then six months later in November 2017, I joined the Conservative Party as a member. So to welcome back... Uh, this podcast, I've got a guest called Johnny, who is a young Conservative member in North London, and we debate topics like the next Tory leader, the next general election, and more. So I hope you enjoy the next episode and the first episode of our rebranded relaunch. And uh, yeah, let's go. Hello and welcome to the next episode of Sug Sound. So on today's episode I'm joined by Johnny Ross who is a member of the Young Conservatives and lives in North London. Hi Johnny. Hi there Hugo, hi there listeners, uh, welcome uh, it's been a pleasure to be on the podcast today, and hopefully we're going to be in for a for a suite of a podcast. Let's go. Definitely. Um, I'm. We're also joined by the cat I'm looking after, who is currently purring in my ear. Um, so uh, I think it's important to say that just because Johnny and I are both uh, conservatives, um, it means that we don't always have to agree. And uh, so let's go on to our first topic which is, uh, who do we think will be the next Conservative leader to follow after Theresa May? I, uh, I want it to be Sajid Javid. I think he's a great candidate. I think he's really uh, worked hard in uh, the Department of Communities Local Government and uh, is working hard in, in the Home, home Office. Um, Johnny, what do you think? Um, Sajid Javid is obviously a fantastic Home Secretary, but I think if Sajid Javid he is a good Home Secretary, but I think if you want a Prime Minister who will sort out Brexit and will key out problems in the Labour Party, I believe someone like Michael Gove. I think even though Michael Gove over the years has been a controversial figure um, in Conservative um in the Conservative Party and not and is outside in general politics. I think Michael Gove has experience. Michael Gove, I, th- I d- I'm not quite sure, but Michael Gove, I think was a Brexiteer, was he? Yeah, he was a he was a leading figure in the Leave campaign. Yeah, and I mean, if you want a Brexit deal, I'm 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 not trying to make this sound weird or anything, but I think if you want a good Brexit deal, you need someone who's a Brexiteer who knows what other Brexiteers want, and even though this may just be controversial because um, it's just for the Brexiteers, may not just be for the Remainers, I think a Brexiteer Prime Minister 
knows what want the what the people want, and I believe knows what, and even can try and basically build peace and build a relationship with the Remainer voters to ensure that we can get a good Brexit deal and not just that. I think we in in a prime minister at Michael of. If Michael Gove is a prime minister, I think we'd be able to get brilliant trade deals done. He'd, he would be able to, his relationship with other working countries would be brilliant. And I believe someone with experience like Michael Gove would be able to do that good, would be able to do that best. So do you think the next Conservative leader will be before we leave the EU in March 2019, which is what? which goes on your rhetoric of saying uh, a, a good deal to leave the EU on. Bearing in mind that Theresa May wants a deal in front of Parliament by uh, the autumn, so autumn slash winter, so October, to be able to ratify it through Parliament to then get rat- ratified through the European Parliament to then leave in March 2019. Are you saying that you want Michael Gove to be... Are you saying you want May to be toppled before October and a new deal to be put before Parliament and negotiated with EU prior to March 2019? Or are you saying after we leave the EU and after the implementation period, uh, Michael Gove should then be Prime Minister or leader? Well, personally, um, I believe that May should not be toppled now because even though she should really be the one leading through Brexit and um, she needs to be working with other countries to deliver Brexit and hopefully a good Brexit for um, for everyone. But um, I think Michael Gove should be leader after when we leave the EU in the transition. He, he'll be able to be a good Prime Minister who'll start off the transition well with other, with other countries, making sure that the deal we have with Brussels and the EU is a good one for the UK and hopefully he will be a prime minister who will be building on with other countries to make sure that we are trading well with other countries and making sure that that the sale runs smoothly basically okay so you say he's a good figure but he was the one who stabbed Boris Johnson in the back on his leadership bid after the the EU referendum after Cameron uh, stood down and resigned as as Conservative Party leader. Uh, he was running on a ticket with Boris Johnson and he was supporting Johnson to become the next leader. And then he stabbed him in the back and then chose to run himself. What do you... Do, do you trust Michael Gove? Because I don't. And I wouldn't trust him as leader leader of our party. If he can publicly uh, stab Boris Johnson in the back at a leadership election uh, and, and you say he's a controversial figure he definitely is a very controversial figure uh, I, I don't trust him well you may not be able, you may not trust him Hugo but I believe many Conservative Party members would be able to trust Michael Gove um, even though yes he did stab Boris Johnson in the back but even though hopefully if there Hopefully there won't be more shenanigans like it when we come to leadership election next time. But um, I believe without making controversy like he did with Bojo stabbing him in the back, as you said, um, he would be favourable for a Brexit um, to, to suit a Brexit suited for all, whether it feels for Brexiteers like him or um, 
Remainers, like me personally, I campaigned to remain. I was a heavy Remainer, but I'm not in favour of a second referendum, which we can obviously go on later in the podcast if we have time. But um, Michael Gove would be able to essentially deliver Brexit um, and also have a good working relationship with other countries in terms of trading. And it should, his record shouldn't just be judged on stabbing Boris Johnson in the back in the leadership election. No, it shouldn't, but he... He... Uh... He completely decimated the education sector. So I know a lot of teachers and university lecturers and academics who would absolutely despise Michael Gove becoming Conservative leader and would probably leave the party and go join another party if he became leader. Whereas someone like Sajid Javid, who has rose up the ranks quite quietly... Okay, I mean... He, he's been there, he, he led the response uh, of Grenfell Tower, he, le- he led the government response, he led the response up until he got uh, promoted to Home Secretary. But uh, he hasn't had any controversial uh, kind of run-ins with teachers or lecturers, he hasn't decimated the Justice Department like Michael Gove did, uh, he hasn't annoyed a load of uh, educators people in the education sector and he's a fresh he's a fresh face i i i i just worry that michael gove's kind of had his day to be become top dog uh because he's he's done quite a lot of damage if you speak to some people obviously others will say he's done a lot of good but yeah he's he's done a lot of damage and I mean, in, in the environment department, he's he's done a load of good, and, you know, I fully agree with that. But I'd say among the... Because you, you and I can talk, we're in London, we're in a Westminster... Well, we're near the Westminster bubble. It's very easy for us to talk about all the good that Michael Gove does. But when you actually go out there and speak to people, Michael Gove's seen as a quite Marmite figure either love him or hate him and I think depending on what sector you speak to um, there's a lot of hate well in terms of um, in terms of Sasha Javid yes he may be a fresh face but does Sasha Javid really have experience to lead the country yeah people can say Michael Gove may have had his day to be top dog at number 10 but essentially at the end of the day um, I think you need a guy who has experience, who's been in quite a lot of ministerial positions. And uh, if you have the experience, I think you have what it takes to be prime minister. He may have caused controversy over the years, uh, Michael Gove, but I think he'll be a fantastic prime minister. Whether you lo- whether you can be a Marmite figure, you love and rate him. I think by the time when Gove does get prime minister, I think Gove won't be such a Marmite figure anymore. Ah, uh, but history follows. History follows. Okay. Uh, so we're not going to agree on that, which is it's good. It this is what a debate is all about, and it's it's healthy, and oh, yeah. there should be more of this. Okay, so uh, kind of leading on from that quite nicely, um, and we touched on it a little in that. Johnny, when do you think the next general election should or will be? We've got one scheduled for under the Fixed-Term Parliaments Act, because we had one in uh, July 2017, uh, we are now 
uh, scheduled under the Fixed Term Parliaments Act to have one in 2022, uh, before, well, July 2022. So, uh, Johnny, when do you think we'll next have a general election? Well, hopefully 2022, and then hopefully we can get a scenario that the Conservatives will be riding high in the polls. I mean, to be quite honest, I thought if we had a general election now, um, we would have been decimated by Labour, but unfortunately the Labour Party's got its own problems. They're, they're, they're totally losing support. It's not becoming the Labour Party today. I sp- um, um, it's basically becoming a party full of communists and Marxists and... Uh, you you name it, and um, I I um, I think if we had the next general election, I believe, I think it will just take place after Brexit negotiations would have happened March 2019, and uh, I think if Brexit runs smoothly, if if we, if it's a deal that people Brexiteers remain as like, I think the Conservatives would regain that majority we lost in the snap election. There would be, I think we'd be able, just like we did in the 2015 election, to defend some key marginals. And I went up to, in the um, 2015 campaign with my dad, to canvassing what was a uh, key key series of marginals like Nuneaton, Carlisle. um, We did lose Wolverhampton South West, though, and etc. There were there were there were tons of seats marginals that we managed to defend and i think if brexit brexit will be a key factor obviously in the general election if we manage to get a smooth play smooth brexit i think we could win the next general election with the majority but if brexit does not pan out the way that the majority of people want it to i think because of if the labor party had managed to sort its rubbish out they wish they could be even heading for a minority government overall majority even and uh sadly if if it comes i'll just be running away from this but i think because if labor fails to sort out its mess then the conservatives will lead a government but i think will slightly less like this with a with a minority but i think they would probably lose some extra seats to the late party um so hopefully that's that that is what my suggestion is for next general election so what do you think about so we're recording this on the 4th of august uh last week um for the first time in a while labor have overtaken conservatives in the polls uh by two three points uh which is the first time in a in a while that's happened um so we we take it that labor are embroiled in a nasty and vicious anti-Semitism uh, row, but um, they are, contrary to all of that, they are riding quite high in the polls, and the Conservatives, unfortunately, are not. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if what do you think the result would be if a general election happened tomorrow, given that information and given uh, the Chequers deal and the aftermath? of the Checkers deal for leaving the EU? Um, so I'm saying if there was a general election happening today, of course Labour riding high. But what you need to understand was that polls are never correct. Um, in the run-up to the 2015 election, Labour were ahead by some margin, and guess what? The Conservatives...
Washington's getting overall majority, which was so against the odds. And even if the like like the last snap election, the Conservatives are twenty odd points ahead of Labour, and uh, we blew our majority because of what was quite a disastrous campaign. Um, but it is it is really sad to see now that um, that Jeremy Corbyn and the Labour Party do have a lead in the polls. I believe the fresh days of Labour are totally dead, dead in the water, and um, people have to realise that. I joined the Conservative Party was it a year ago now, and um, and I joined on the factor that look at the worst of the parties, think what is best for the country, not just for you, and um, see. And eventually, I made my mind up with the Conservatives because I didn't want to have what was left-wing government, which, if you remember the days of Blair, who got us into our deadly, costly, bloody wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, and Gordon Brown, who totally sold the banks off in um, Iceland and uh, led us through a whole period of recession, there is no way ever that I will trust the Labour government again in this country, and I really hope that polls can change. People will be so against Jeremy Corbyn, and I really hope, I really hope people see that what Labour government, and this is, this is what students are doing, students are not reminded of what the Labour government, the Blair and Brown governments did to this country. They totally, they totally made us look like a piece of crap. Totally made us look. I really hope people see through what Corbyn has got to offer, cheap talk, and I really hope that Corbyn will never get into number 10 one day. I really hope. I mean, I, I hope not either, but... Uh, just to balance you out, and I, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a Conservative Party supporter and a member, uh, but just to balance you out, in in Labour, in, in Tony Blair's years, not so much Gordon Brown's, but in Tony Blair's years, they bought us tuition fees, which got more people into university, rightly or wrongly, and a lot of people into debt, but they bought in uh, the Data Protection Act, which is vital to our uh, security and our our privacy and they also brought in the minimum wage which is vital to making sure that people have oh of course yeah a, a certain amount of money for a job so as uh, as much as you say you don't want a uh, a labor government in i i don't but i think while we debate uh, a labor government i think and we have to be fair. We have to look at. I think we have to look at both the pros and cons. And I, oh, I've spoken to a lot of, of people, and of and they uh, a lot of people dislike Tony Blair just for the war, and a lot of people dislike um, Margaret Thatcher for the poll tax, and a lot of people dislike uh, David Cameron because of the referendum. But what what they fail to see is. Some of it, some of it, good. I, I, I don't think, I don't think Blair was all that bad. I'm quite a centrist. Oh yeah, same. I mean, he was Tony Blair. I mean, if Tony Blair was leader of the Labour Party today, I don't see why the Jew. I mean, Jewish people were totally behind Tony Blair. If you look at Jewish seats, like um, I live the constituency next door to Finchley in Golders Green, which has got the highest Jewish population in all of the country and at the time in Blair's years and it was even Margaret Thatcher's old seat that was a Labour seat during the Blair years and um, 
I think it was it was the right wing policy of Blair which swung many conservative voters, and even myself. I mean, I'm not quite sure about you, but I mean, even myself, I I would have been very happy to vote for a Labour Party under Blair, but um, that they did they did great they did they did great things in government apart from wars at the time. Even at the time, I probably would have opposed it, but Blair could have still been Labour leader today if he had not had managed to just. Um, swung out totally because of what um, I remember there was this thing he got kicked out because of um, he he was not su- because of of his of his hate for support of Jews and uh, it, it was it was a key fact. I think he could have even still been leader today. It would have been quite a long time, of course, but you um, could have even been you could have still been leader today if um, he had managed to just overcome. Um, overcome idiots who had tried to kick him out, and eventually he had to he had to sell himself in. And what the country headed through under Brown wasn't was definitely was an absolute catastrophe um, of what the, of what this country was supposed to head into. And uh, yeah, that's what I've got to say for now. Yeah, it was, it was. So the next general election, you you think should happen? After we leave the EU, I uh, don't want it to happen when it off. I want it to happen when, when it's supposed to next be next happen twenty twenty two. But I feel like because of all this pressure, we are getting from maybe even Conservative Party members even. And I think, um, he'll be this this new Prime Minister, or even if it's still Theresa May, would still be, um, pressured into buying into another. Not buying in, but um, still be pressured into. Uh, pushing on for another general election, but it depends on how how smoothly Brexit sails. Okay, okay, excellent. Well, there's not just the general election coming up in the next couple of years. Uh, there's also mayoral mayoral elections for London mayor. Uh, now I don't know enough, uh, but Johnny, talk us through it. Who are the candidates uh, for okay, London mayor? So- Okay, everyone. So, um, as many of you should know, the Conservative Party's agenda on um, hopefully trying to win this next London mayoral contest is that we try and pick our candidates early so that we um, uh, raise it up with people on the doorstep so that we know um, basically who your candidate's going to be. And we have time to raise this candidate's profile up. So, um, basically, our three shortlisted candidates which was done by part one of them was sean bailey who is a gla member on the london assembly bailey once stood for the hammersmith constituency for the conservatives at the 2010 general election and it was a seat we should have won he was uh defeated in hammersmith but to serve as the prime minister who was david cameron at the time he was david cameron's special advisor on youth and crime from 2010 to 13 and um, also during the 2017 the SLEP election he contested this Labour safe seat of Lewisham, West and Penge. Um, he's one of our candidates for the London Mayor of course and um, he's supposed to be the front runner and the favourite because of his experience um, as an Assembly member standing for Hammersmith in the 2010 election and he was branded um, as our future 10 years ago by media press. 
Another of our three candidates is Andrew Boff. Andrew Boff, as he started um, in early career, he is also another um, a GLA member of the London Assembly. He is our leader of the GLA for four years. Um, Andrew Boff was the ex-leader of Hillingdon Council for two years, and he managed to stand in 1992, which was at time marginal for us, the failing to defend Hornsey and Wood Green constituency, which is not far from where I live, and we lost the seat to Labour. Um, Boff has also managed to try and contest the nomination for the London mayoral election for 2000, 2004 and 2008. Um, Boff was also in 2000, 2002, 2006 and 2010 to become the mayor of Hackney. He came second in 2006, came third in 2010. And um, Boff is a libertarian. He's an outspoken prominent proponent of direct democracy. Uh, and he is also an openly gay candidate. Um, Boff is um, quite popular with many left um, members of the Conservative Party and also uh, a key um, figure is Andrew Boff is also, fav he's also in favour of legalising cannabis for recreational use, which I'm standing against. And also Andrew Boff, is, uh, he was a supporter of Yes for AV campaign. And our final candidate uh, of the three shortlisted is Joy Morrissey, who is a Ealing councillor. She was first elected in 2014, held her seat in the May elections as one of the very few now conservative councillors in Ealing. Um, she once stood for the parliamentary seat for Ealing Central and Acton and um, should have won, but because of the snap election, Labour managed to hold a seat with a 12% swing in their favour, massive swing of course and um, she's, very, she's very promising with women um, and she is most likely in my opinion to come second in this election I am personally supporting Joy Morrissey because I feel like even along with Sean Bailey um, Joy Morrissey has strict policy on knife crime and I believe that if you want, and we also need a woman candidate. We've never had a woman mayor. I don't think we've had a woman candidate. We've had a woman. I don't think we've the Conservatives had a woman candidate yet. And I feel like to promote diversity and equality, we need to have someone like Joy. Even though Joy Morrissey's only been a councillor, I believe we need someone like Joy Morrissey to be the Conservative candidate for the London mayoral contest. So those, basically, by me, are your as your guide to the three Conservative candidates shortlisted for the London mayoral contest. Back to you, Hugo. Thank you. I um, Yeah, lots of, lots of stuff in that that I didn't know. And um, I'm going to do a bit of research into who each of those candidates are, and then I will pick my, my one I, I will go with. I've got an idea, but... Uh, yeah, I'm one for doing a bit of research. Okay, so we've got uh, a few minutes left. Um, you said it earlier, uh, Johnny, when we were talking about, um, I think, the next general election or the Tory leader. You said about a second referendum to the EU deal, uh, otherwise known as, this, I think this is a stupid term, a people's vote. Um 
absolutely stupid. I, I totally agree with you as well. This is this is absolutely stupid. I mean, it's it's it is nowhere near democratic. We had the referendum. We voted leave. The Remainer. I, I don't know what your view was, Hugo. Are you a Remainer too? I I was so I was uh, the most Remain you could ever get uh, pre the referendum. Um, but but since the referendum in the last year and a half, particularly, um, I've come more into the centre where I actually am probably more of a lever than I am a Remainer, although I am still both. Um, I, I, my, my, my view and my, my opinion has kind of widened quite greatly, and that's, that's through having debates and conversations with various other people. And also accepting that we voted leave. So, yeah, it's interesting. I, you know, I was a staunch Remainer and you you, you said you were too. Um, yeah, I, 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 I mean, I don't think we should have a second referendum on before we leave. I, I am, I, okay, so people who are for a people's vote, this stupid term, um, they say that democracy isn't static and people should be free to change their minds. I completely agree. But what I think is uh, that the best way to do that is we carry out the first democratic referendum, which was to leave the EU. We leave the EU, we see how it goes, and if, if the, um, the public opinion is as such that we should rejoin i think we should have i think there should be an opportunity for a debate to have a potential another referendum to get back into the eu but well of, well but, of course i mean i was i was um on the anniversary of our second second anniversary of leaving the eu i went to a brexit barbecue um which was a gathering of both remain and um leavers um at a barbecue and on my way home um going back from central london to barnet i saw these the uh, the whole bus absolutely packed on the day of people's vote demonstrators and sadly i'm, I'm this i just just for the banter um i was wearing a vote leave badge and um accidentally i forgot to take it off um, and uh, the whole me and my friend why are you why did you decide to vote leave it's really undemocratic when i of course i was a remainer and i said look i'm reassuring you guys look okay i'm remain i'm remain i'm remain i'm remain check my twitter look at my social media stuff i'm remain it's just because i'm wearing the badge so what and then we got into this um debate saying why on earth did you go to a march which is basically anti-democracy we had a vote to see if we wanted to leave or remain or not we left and um to these people who if you want to um leave or not just get over it really even though it was leave and obviously i was on the same side of you hugo and to the people these people's vote campaigners um totally agree with you look 
leave, see how it goes, see how we are doing in terms of trade. If it pans out perfectly, keep on going to leave, keep being in, as an independent country. But if it's not panning out the way as it should be, fine, have another referendum, see if it's going well um, out of the EU, and then, yeah, from that. But do these people's vote, um, people, I say this, look, listen to what I've said just now, see what we're going to be like on the EU, and then complain as much as you want. That's what I say. Yeah, and, and one thing that I, I, uh, I've started to challenge uh, people vote supporters by saying, okay, so you want a people's vote on the terms of the EU deal. But, so, if you look back, what, a couple of months ago, we had the whole Windrush uh, saga and Windrush crisis in, in uh, the Conservative government and, and, and the country. But there was no, you know, and because of this hostile environment policy that Theresa May really threw into her work as Home Secretary from 2010. It's just one example of where people dislike the way the government is going or has gone, i.e. the hostile environment. But there's never been a call for a people's vote about whether we should get rid of a hostile environment policy or not. So why is there suddenly a call for a people's vote on on whether we leave the EU or not, which is effectively what the people's vote is about. It's not about saying, do we accept the deal or do we clash out? It's about saying, okay, do we stay or do we leave? And if we leave, they're just going to say, oh no, but let's have another one because the people can still change their mind. Just, just stop trying to cherry pick democracy. Stop trying to cherry pick that just because you are butthurt that we chose to leave the EU does not mean you can start cherry-picking cherry and saying, I want a people's vote on this, but I'm absolutely fine if a government do something I disagree with uh, on another policy because I just accept that's government and I can vote them out in the next general election. And also, going on, going on from that, the last point I'll make is we elect MPs who represent us and all people's vote supporters... If your MP, if your MP goes against what you want, lobby them. Don't try and get a second referendum. We yes. don't live in a direct demo- we don't live in a direct democracy. We live in elected representative democracy, where we elect six hundred and fifty people to make decisions on our behalf. And the way you influence them is by lobbying them. Referendum, referenda, should. I, I think referendum should be used a lot more in this country, but but to make a decision rather than to try and reverse and skew a decision because another vote said that it wasn't a good idea. Does anyone ask for another general election after the previous general election just because their po- politicians don't get in? No. Definitely not. And I think it's just a disgrace to democracy as well. You have a vote... It's called something called fair. It's it's a fair vote. It's 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 electing whoever is going to be elected to that elected office, and um, if it doesn't go your way, tough titties. Do I, I I personally don't care. No matter what, even if it was, even if it was. Look, I mean, we had a close run in. Um, I remember in my constituency, 
um, in Chipping Barnet, which is my constituency, we had um, Theresa Villers from the, from the 2015 general election was defending a majority of 7,000 odd. And I remember because when, when Theresa May called this general election, our association was going to go to Tenerife on holiday. And um, what, what, was, what was quite interesting was, we were literally a um, couple of days away from going to Tenerife on holiday. Then May calls the general election and was like, oh, oh my God, we have to defend. Then the whole association thinks, oh my God, we, we must defend our seat. And in the end, because of hard work and effort, I mean, this was a, this was a um, result which not just, it, it shocked the Labour Party, of course, because they didn't think they had a chance of winning the seat. And of course it shocked us because this was one of our safe seats in London. Theresa Villas's majority went from 7,000 odd to just 353. It was even lower than 1997. And you'll just think, had we gone to Tenerife, we probably would have lost this seat somehow. And um, it's, it's quite interesting because... And then what happens was after the result, Owen Jones decides to come down to the local Sainsbury's and thinks, let's hold the pitch because this result was not democratic at all have another vote because Theresa Villa's campaign was rigged and uh, we need a Labour MP in Barnet because we've never had one in these constituencies in 1950 and yeah we need one and uh, personally that's not democratic at all if you lose an election fair unless Theresa Villa decides to resign for any odd reason or die please god not um there's your chance but you I mean... cannot just you cannot just Try to kick someone out on the fact that it's A, it's not your person, and B, that the campaign was actually a very fair one and, and there was nothing rotten about it whatsoever. I love the fact that we got 34 minutes into a podcast and Owen Jones <laughs> hadn't been mentioned. Um, <laughs> I dislike that that man. That man. Um, yeah, anyway, let's not get into that. All right, well... I, I think, I think we're done. And um, Johnny, it's it's been an absolute pleasure. And actually, you're the first person. I so I'm relaunching my podcast um, after a year's yeah. break. And uh, this yeah, is abs- absolute pleasure. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure, um, Hugo. Um, uh, massive pleasure debating with you on our subjects. Um, and hopefully. Looking forward to the future. Let's have many more uh, podcasts together, hopefully. Def- definitely. And uh, everyone who listens to this should go follow Johnny on Twitter, J O N N Y R O S O 5. That's Johnny Ross 05. And, uh, all lowercase. All lowercase. And uh, yeah, this has been a Sug Sound production. Thanks for listening. And here is what happened on our first recording. So, on today's episode, I am joined by Johnny Ross, who is a member of the Young Conservatives and lives in South London. And North it, London, sorry. Do you live in North London? Yeah, I live in Barnet. Ah, okay. I thought you were South. Um, no, Liam South. Ah, okay. Liam's another Young Conservative member. Okay, so Johnny actually lives uh, on the same side of the river as me. And uh, I, I think what's this, this podcast... Oh, I'm going to have to start that again. <laughs>
The podcast you just heard was published with Anchor. Got something you want to say to the creator of this show? Send them a voice message using the Anchor app, free for iOS and Android.